electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at you, Kramer. Do not underestimate the benign nature of this market. We have enjoyed what I keep calling is a halcyon moment for stocks, including today where the Dow slipped 33 points, the S&P gained 0.42%, and NASDAQ jumped 0.81%. Now, I need you to think back. I need you to think back a year ago. If you'd asked most money managers what the future would hold with the Democratic sweep of the White House and Congress, they would have told you that the stock market was in trouble, perhaps big trouble. The House of Pain. Remember when President Biden was still a senator? He once made a point of telling me that he couldn't afford stocks, didn't really want them. So there's a widespread sense on Wall Street that this agenda might be an anathema to investors. Of course, I told you not to take it too seriously. Uh, Biden spent decades as the senator from Delaware, the tax haven state, and he had an incredibly narrow majority. But nevertheless... A lot of experts came on our air, you read their books, whatever you want, articles, and they warned you. They warned you that the market was in for a world of hurt, especially if both the House and Senate went Democratic. What exactly did they tell you to expect? Well, why don't we go over what we were thinking about last year at this time? First, we were supposed to get hit with higher income taxes that would chill consumer spending for the wealthy which is what everybody's always after for a higher stock market. Second, everyone was terrified of higher capital gains tax rates, perhaps much higher, equal to ordinary incomes, for heaven's sake. In terms of fairness, that's totally justified, but it would be real bad for the stock market. Third, dividend taxes were supposed to go way up, just like capital gains. A low tax on dividends disproportionately benefits the wealthy, because obviously they own the most stocks. Didn't those rates have to go up, given that Democrats had the trifecta? That's what we were told over and over again. Fourth, the drug companies would become public enemy number one in Washington, and they'd be forced to bargain with the government for lower prices, like most countries do. Very popular policy, but obviously terrible for the pharma stocks. Seemed like a no-brainer for Biden. Fifth, we were told that the banks would be punished 
with harsher regulations. Capital expand more difficult to come by. Small businesses wouldn't be able to borrow. The whole thing was supposed to be a nightmare for business formation, which would ultimately lead to fewer IPOs and fewer investment banking fees for Wall Street. Six, we were told that Biden would bring an end to merger mania because Democrats tend to take a longer, a much tougher line on antitrust than Republicans. Seventh, we were told the health insurers would see their profit margins crushed by the new regulations that would force them to spend more of your premiums on actual health care. Eighth, we were told that the billionaires would be reined in, their excess profits would be taken from them, and organized labor would be triumphant for the first time in decades. Ninth, we were told that the government spending would soar, the deficit would balloon, and in response, interest rates would go sky high. Hyperinflation. Tenth, when you put it all together, individual stock ownership would be diminished in an anti-business environment. We are, in short, going to have a bear market. Now, I told you not to worry too much about this stuff at the time, but it seemed possible, if not plausible, for most. Of course, all these warnings turned out to be totally bogus in reality. We're now hitting record high after record high after record high after record high. There's no new taxes to speak of and not even much new spending, at least not permanent spending. Nobody's laid a hand on the drug companies or the health insurers or the banks. The IPO flows like water. Mergers are still occurring with regularity. How can that be? Because as I told you, when the Democrats took the Senate, it's Biden. It's not Biden who sets policy here. In fact, it's actually the most conservative Democratic senator. His name's Joe Manchin. That means despite all the big talk, Congress was never really going to rock the boat. And, you know, it turns out there's a reason why the more moderate Democrats didn't want to go too crazy. And that reason, I think it's encapsulated and embodied by yesterday's elections. And nobody's talking about it. So let's stop that right now. Let's get to the facts. The unknown Glenn Youngkin, a private equity guy of all things, beat well-known former Governor Terry McAuliffe in Virginia. Then a man known only as Jack, because that's what a handful of his campaign signs called him in my home state of New Jersey, almost beat Governor Phil Murphy in New Jersey, one of the most Democratic states in the nation. That's right. Jack Chatterelli a conservative businessman, and by the way, Trump acolyte, severe Trump acolyte, or strong Trump acolyte, depending on how you feel, almost overturned someone who was always hailed as popular, Phil Murphy. Yeah, in part because so many Democrats just stayed home. But it wasn't supposed to be so close. Hey, Steve Sweeney, the Democratic New Jersey State Senate president, second highest ranking powerful guy in the state, he suffered the indignity of losing to a guy named Edward Doerr, a furniture truck driver who uh, spent $153 to defeat him. Yeah. Four years ago, Sweeney crushed the Republican opponent by 18 percentage points, even as he was faced with a challenge spent a lot of money. Now the truck driver, he, went to, he worked for Raymore Flanagan and the furniture company. I like their furniture. Now, this is mad money, not mad politics. And the last thing I want to do is take sides here. But as a money guy, I can tell you that the stock market loves gridlock in Washington. It loves paralysis. It loves a government that does nothing. It loves a government that it doesn't want to have to hear about. So is it any wonder that, say, the VIX, the volatility index, is near its lowest levels of the year? This election sealed the deal on Biden's more left-wing policy commitments. They were already pretty much off the table. Now they're dead on arrival because the Democrats don't want to get wiped out next year midterm. They don't want to get loose to the jacks. In other words... We already have more or less divided government. And that's what historically gives the stock market its best returns. Now that Fed Chief Jay Powell has said that interest rates will stay low, most of the talk I hear is about how rates can go higher. I think if Congress had managed to pass Biden's big stimulus package, then we would have seen a surge of job creation, resulting in massive wage inflation. So Powell might have had to tighten. In the end, the Fed would have canceled out the stimulus. Now that's off the table. 
good for the stock market. So here's how you need to look at the situation. Don't think of it as a as a partisan. Think of it in terms of constituencies. Historically, the Democrats are more or less the party of labor and Republicans more or less the party of capital. Lately, labor's been ascendant for the first time in a long time. If a terrified Democratic Party tilts the balance back towards capital, then the stock market can continue to roar. Every political strategist in America has now concluded that either the Democrats move right or the Republicans win in 2022 and possibly 2024, maybe in a landslide. That's a win-win for the stock market if the Democrats are worried. As for whether it's good for America, this is my development. My problem's right here, okay? This stuff. Didn't have. That was my job. Told you it wouldn't. Didn't. Fine. While I do think stocks have gotten overstretched here, especially since the legendary Larry Williams, our favorite market historian, says this is the moment where you want to close out that late October rally trade that we talked about. The truth is we have less to worry about than we did on Monday. It means good news will be greeted with higher valuations as money managers stop freaking out about Washington. Witness the incredible rallies in the stocks of great uh, companies like AMD, NVIDIA, Alphabet, and Amazon, based on nothing but amorphous warmed-over research notes. Here's the bottom line. I'm not calling for complacency, but I am saying that after this week's election day, Wall Street no longer needs to worry about the Biden administration cracking down on big business and its beneficiaries of their profits. And when Wall Street's not worried, stocks can go higher. Still one more reason not to sell at these levels and to buy more the next time we get a pullback. Who knows? Maybe the Republicans win in 2022. And yes, I do believe the stock market would go higher if that occurred. Let's go to Alexander in California. Alexander. How's it going, Jim? First time caller. All right. I'm glad you're on the I'm glad you're on the horn. What's up? Um. The question is, should I take profit on this, sell some profit off this stock, or should I hold on to it? I've been holding this stock for a while. It's been a heck of a ride. They bought mail, they're buying MailChimp this year, and they've, they've had Credit Karma uh, for, since 2009. And uh, I, I can't remember the last time they missed a quarter. It, the stock's Intuit. Intuit is an amazing company, and I don't want you to sell it. If it comes in, I want you to buy some. I think they're incredibly well run. Uh, the last two acquisitions have been brilliant, and management is dynamite. Can I go to uh, Luis in Florida? Luis. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. First time, long time. Okay. Um, my question is about a stock that I got into it in March, and I bought some more in May and June. It's up over 120% for the year. My question to you is, should I stay in it? Should I hold or should I buy, buy, buy some more? And the stock is Blackstone. Let's just hold it. Uh, it, it has had quite a run, and it just had a spike. I don't like to buy spikes. I don't chase. Uh, if it goes lower, you'll probably hear me say good things about it. All right, everybody. After this week's election, Wall Street no longer needs to worry about the Biden administration cracking down on big business. That's the untold story. That's what it meant. It's one more reason not to sell at these levels. Oh, man, tonight, Norwegian's cruising once again, and with American itching, itching, this itching to travel, I'm learning about the impact on the cruise industry with the CEO. Then another big winner, Papa John's, jumped more than 13% today on strong results, and I'm getting a secret recipe to the company's success with its top brass. And Planet Fitness flexed its muscles today, soaring nearly 12% after earnings. So could the stock, well, I'd say add some weight to your portfolio? I'm checking in with the CEO. Stay with Craig.
Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also, a fact smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visited visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Ever since we first learned about the vaccines a year ago, we've been waiting for the cruise lines to make a comeback, but let's it take a little while. Yesterday morning, we got results from Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, long my favorite in the group. Even though they started sailing again in late July and steadily introduced more routes over the course of the quarter, the results came in a bit short because of the Delta variant. Made sense. Yet even though the stock initially dropped 4% yesterday morning, only finished the day up nearly 2%. Why? Because the conference call was terrific. Management told us that they've gotten over Delta, with net bookings improving substantially over the past six weeks. Norwegian even says it should be profitable by the second half of next year. Cash flow positive towards the end of the first quarter. I think that means the stock could have a lot to run here. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Frank Del Rio, one of my heroes of this entire period, the president and CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. Get a better read of the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Del Rio, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, it's always great to be with you. How are you? Oh, I am good, Frank. I'm good because we're winding down this thing that you and I both know has been a scourge. But you have been instrumental in a lot of ways to make sure people realize if we got vaccinated, we can go on with our lives. And that worked very well for your company in the last few quarters. It has. You know, we took a hard line back in March when the word mandate was a four letter word. 
We said we're not going to cruise until everyone, unless everyone is vaccinated, crew and passengers. Said the same thing about returning to the office, which we started on June 1st. And uh, it's worked out just great. I think it's the right public health uh, thing to do. And it's become a competitive advantage. You heard the earnings call yesterday. Our bookings are, uh, are very, very strong, strongest that they've ever been uh, beginning the second half of, uh, of next year, even at higher prices in our record year in 2019. So, so look, uh, people are happy. We've, uh, we've boarded uh, nearly 100,000 guests since we have returned to service. We'll have uh, 17 of our 28 ships back operating by year end, all 28 by April 1st. So 2022 is going to, the back half of 22 is going to be a pretty good year. I think uh, second quarter will be that transition quarter. And, uh, and even at this early stage, 2023 um, looks just terrific. I mean, people are booking their cruises further and further out. They want to get out of the house. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, almost a wartime type of environment for a lot of people over the last two years. And it's time to celebrate, time to party, time to spend money. And people are doing just that. Well, let's talk about that, because it's a phenomenon that, don't, that I think you're one of the few people who gets. We did go through a period that was uh, like the wars. And when those were over, people felt very good about themselves. But even importantly, a lot of ways, Frank, they realized life is short. The kinds of trips that are selling well, from what I can tell, are the most exotic, exciting Versus sitting on the beach, mundane, having a drink, vacations you could possibly have. They're the priciest, but they're also the most unique to Norwegian crews. You know, people talk about bucket list items and uh, it became passe to talk about bucket lists. But I got to tell you, people really did come up with their bucket list. And, yeah, we, we visit over 500 ports around the world. Uh, anywhere from a 180-day around-the-world cruise, which sold out in literally one day when Jeez. we introduced it back in uh, in the spring. Uh, uh, all three of our brands have had records. We're introducing a brand-new ship, Norwegian Prima, that will uh, debut next July. Uh, her sales are the highest that they've ever been for an introductory vessel at the highest prices. So, you know, you hear about inflation. That's the ugly side of that word. The pretty side of that word is pricing power. And we have pricing power on, on tickets for people booking later in 22, throughout 23. We're seeing pricing power and con- incredible consumer demand for onboard experiences. You know, prior to the pandemic, we kept talking about people want experiences, experiences. And that's still true today. But I'll tell you what, and I don't know if it's too early to even talk about this, but what we're seeing on board is people are also buying stuff. Uh, our, the sales in our boutiques are, are just at record. And so we're not sure whether this is a temporary phenomena or perhaps a new trend that along with experiences, but people are spending money and uh, we're seeing it throughout the, 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 the economy, especially in the travel sector, because that, that was the one that was impacted the most by the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I think we're, we're on the right side of the pandemic now. More and more people are vaccinated. We're learning to live with the, uh, with, with the, with the virus. There are now uh, medicines to treat you if you do get sick. There's the monoclonal uh, uh, regimens available. Uh, so uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about the future for the first time in a long, long time. Uh, the bookings tell me that it's not just that I feel good about it. The, the empirical evidence is there, Jim. 
People are booking. They're booking further out than ever. And as you said, they're coming out of this wartime mentality where their their lives were upended to no to no end. And they want to go cruising. They want to go and see the world. And um, and that's what we do best. So we're 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 eager to get going. Well, there's something else you do best that you should get credit for. Three million ton commitment. I'm talking about the decarbonization that you personally think yeah. is very, very important. I want to give you a second just to be able to talk about what you're doing. Well, look, uh, ESG is not just an acronym. We, we, we live it every day, the environmental, the social, the governance. We, we are proud of all the accomplishments we've, uh, we've made in all three areas. Our, our board is di- as diversified as possible. As you know, I'm Hispanic. Um, and uh, very proud of uh, all the accomplishments that uh, we've been able to achieve. Uh, the, the industry is moving forward at warp speed uh, up to the point of what technology today is allowing us to do. Uh, we don't want to burn uh, uh, you know, the, the, the carbon-heavy fuels. Uh, we're very sensitive to the environment. And, and so uh, it's another factor in, in why cruising is so popular because – the, the intended audience, the target audience, recognize that our industry is very sensitive to these very important social economic uh, topics of the day. And well, on this point, uh, our viewers know that the person who is true north is Dr. Gottlieb. He has been yeah. at your side the whole way during this period, hasn't he? You know, um, Scott's an amazing guy. I, uh, I love talking to him. Um, you know how I met him? No. I met him... Um, uh, on CNBC, I woke up one morning and early in the pandemic, and I'm hearing this man talk about what's going to happen next. And I and I said to myself, I have to engage him. This this is the this is the one who who's going to uh, help us work out of this. So we've been we've been engaged now for uh, uh, 20 months. We've become friends, and um, and I owe him a lot. Our whole company, our whole industry owes him a lot. He was part of the health and safety panel that we stood up with one of our competitors. Um, and he remains today uh, a senior advisor to us in our sales safe um, uh, wellness council. Um, you, you know him well. He's got a great book out. You should read it if right. you haven't That's, already. Jim. It is it's great. Terrific reading. And um, we're, we're happy to have him. Well, look, Frank, you did everything that anyone could ask. And obviously it's reflected, as you said, empirically. And some great numbers, because the good guys do win in the end. Frank Del Rio is president and CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings and CLH. Frank, it is just fabulous to see you back in action. Thank you, Jim. All right. Good luck to you. Everybody's back here to the break. Better ingredients, better investment. Can Papa John stuff your crust and your portfolio? Kramer finds out next. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All 
Bye-bye, Domino's. Hello, Papa John's. Yep, there's a new top dog in the pizza space, and don't get me wrong. I still think Domino's is fabulous, but it is impossible to deny empirically that Papa John's has become the best of breed. The truth is, Papa John's has been outperforming Domino's for several years now. At first, you could write it off as a turnaround story, a stock playing catch-up. Then you could dismiss it as a COVID winner. But now we've entered a period of insanely difficult comparisons. And what happens? Domino's delivers a not-so-hot quarter a few weeks ago. It was good, but not so hot. Then this morning, Papa John's reports a gorgeous quarter, a 12-cent earnings beat off a 71-cent basis with a higher-than-expected revenues and 7.3% same-store sales growth. Wall Street was only looking for 5%. Even better, management rolled out a $425 million buyback. This isn't a big company, which allowed them to shrink the share count by roughly 9%. No wonder the stock soared more than 13% today to a new all-time high. Can it keep running? Let's take a closer look with Rob Lynch, the president and CEO of Papa John's International, to learn more. Mr. Lynch, congratulations on an amazing quarter, and welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Always a pleasure to be here. All right, I've got to tell you, there's so many things going right. I mean, I want to knock wood. I don't want to jinx anything. But you have unbelievable comp stores. Uh, you just signed one of the biggest international deals. You're obviously just now getting to a growth path that is accelerating, still buying back stock. A giant deal announced today. How can how could all of these things come together so quickly? Well, you know, it's, it's, it seems like it's been a long time coming, Jim. We've been working hard now for over two years to build the kind of company that we can all be proud of and can deliver results for our shareholders and our employees and everybody involved with the Papa John's brand. Our franchisees have waited a long time to be able to celebrate uh, all this success, and we're just happy that, you know, their hard work is paying off and, and we're delivering results for them. Well, one of the things that's happened, you know, I talked to Yum and I have them on, and I think they're terrific guys, as do you. And you like the Domino's guys. But this was not supposed to be a big quarter for you. This was the one we were supposed to learn that really now that people are going out, they're not going to Papa John's. What did you do? You kept the people with technology. You kept them with incredible uh, epic stuff, stuff with the chacaroni people like it on my own staff. Was it innovation? Is that what made it stay? What made Steve, people stay? You know, it's a lot of things. Innovation, product innovation specifically has a lot to do with it. Epic Stuff Crust has been a home run for us this year. Uh, Papa Diaz continue to be a strong add-on for us. So the products are a big part of it. But I would also say, you know, we've taken care of people through the pandemic. Our folks in the restaurants, our folks in the supply chain have been out there every day making sure that everyone has great Papa John's food to enjoy. And we've built a lot of technology infrastructure during that time. Our loyalty program has gone from 12 million to 22 million people. We got great data on how to really target our, our best customers with, with stuff that they care about. And so we've been able to retain a lot of customers that we've gained over the last year. And this quarter, like the last two quarters before it, uh, we've lapped and comped this, these huge comps from last year. We've built a foundation we think is built to last, and this is evidence of that. I'm definitely convinced you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I was somewhat skeptical last time you were on because I just said, well, I know that people are going to go out and own restaurants. It, it, they are loyal to you. And let's talk about loyalty. A 15 to 20 percent increase in a loyalty club is considered to be excellent. What are you offering these people that you're getting these numbers? <laughs> Great products. I mean, we, you know, we made a decision a long time ago that we weren't going to try and sell the cheapest pizza. 
We're going to deliver better pizza with better ingredients, and we are going to give that really create value through a premium positioning that allows them to self-select into better products. And that's what's happened. We have not gone down and, and tried to compete for the low price pizza game, and it's paid off. It's worked out really well for us. You need to tell people who don't know uh, that you are kind of the Chipotle of, of, of pizza. Chipotle always prides itself in having the fewest ingredients, but you have fewer ingredients. Yeah, our dough has six, six ingredients. It's water, yeast, sugar, flour, and, uh, and salt, and, and soybean oil. There's, there's not a lot of stuff. Everything's fresh all the time, never frozen. We make great products, and I'm, I'm just glad that people are really enjoying it. Now, I know uh, Bloomberg has a piece today about talking about how your predecessor is still making noise. I know that he's a bitter person. I understand that. People get bitter. Uh, but it certainly hasn't seemed to impact anything operationally. Yeah, you know, we don't focus on that. Um, we've got a great company. It's been around for 34 years. It's had ups and downs. Um, we're trying to build the best company we can be. We want to make our franchisees, our employees, proud to be a part of Ch- Papa John's. We want to grow uh, both domestically and internationally. We want to bring Papa John's everywhere. You know, we're only in 50 countries internationally. Our competitors are in over 100. We want to bring Papa John's to everybody, and that's what we're focused on. Okay, so let's talk about uh, this chacaroni which is uh, what people discuss when I talk about Papa John's. Now, this is something that you came up with. It's obviously a hit. Is it for Sunday uh, football watching? I mean, when are people ordering this darn thing? All the time. And, you know, I just want to, I don't mean to correct you, but I don't want to take credit for Chacaroni. Our team came up with it, and they came up with it because they were so inspired by the kind of partner that Shaq has been to our brand and, and for everybody involved with this brand over the last two years. And, you know, we wanted to give back to the communities that, that, that were struggling during the pandemic. So we launched Shacaroni last year, huge success, dollar from every pizza goes back to charity, which we deploy back into the rest, into the communities that we work in and, 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 and serve in. And uh, this year we did it again and, to, and sold just as many pizzas as we did last year. So, you know, this is going to be something that we hope to do every year and, and bring Shaq, you know, Shaq's partnership with the brand of life. Also bring our company culture and our values to life, you know, giving back, building a, a culture that, that celebrates diversity and inclusion is a big part of who we are and the evolution of our company. And so Chacaroni culminates all of that. Now, it's important to point this out. A lot of people are having, obviously, staffing issues. You don't deny that it is difficult to get people. But when you do something like where I know that I believe business is the greatest source for, for social change, you give that dollar back to the community. You have community people who work there. Have you had, do you think empirically, uh, left, fewer problems re- retaining people during this period? You know, staffing is the biggest challenge that we face. And, and, you know, but this business is always challenged from a staffing standpoint, disproportionately so right now. But I do believe that the culture that we brought to life throughout our company and that our franchisees have embraced and pushed down through the restaurants and everyone's bringing to life has really helped us to, to recruit and retain employees. I don't know that we have more or less than anybody else, but I do know that our folks have continued working hard throughout the pandemic and the challenges that we face right now. And we wouldn't have been able to achieve these results if we, if we didn't have the folks on the front lines making pizza every day. And you have uh, tremendous uh, success with the third-party delivery people. Yeah, that's been a, a great strategic decision for us. Um, it's, a real, it's, it's truly a symbiotic relationship. We add a lot of value for them. They add a lot of value for us. And it's both on the marketplace front where people are coming in and ordering through their channels and, and, and their com- 
coming and picking up the pizza and delivering it. But also, you know, we leverage their delivery as a service platform, which allows us in our, our peak our peak hours to be able to leverage their their supply of labor above and beyond what we organically have in the restaurants. And so that's allowed us and afforded us the opportunity to handle these these unprecedented volumes and orders that we're seeing. Well, look, your stock is up huge today, deserving. Uh, The numbers were just stellar. And like I said, I follow all three of the companies that are majors. And you've just pulled away from the pack. I want to congratulate you, Rob Lynch, for what you've done at Papa John's International and what your team has done, because it's absolutely right. Credit where credit is due. Thank you for coming on Mad Bunny. Thanks, Jim. Always a pleasure to be here. Guys, I mean, usually I, I, I don't tell you to go buy a stock that's up this much, but you got to go buy the stock. I mean, they're just doing different, better things. And the other companies are fantastic. That's what's so amazing about Papa John's right now. Everybody's back to Coming up, summer bodies might be made in winter, but sculpt a good investment in any season. Kramer gives Barbell Portfolio a whole new meaning. Next. We're starting to get back to life as usual. And I know that because Kramer fave Planet Fitness, the judgment-free gym chain, just reported a blowout quarter that sent its stock surge nearly 12% higher today. Yep, Planet Fitness just turned in what is easily its best results of the past two years. Company delivered its first earnings beat since the fourth quarter of 2019. Excellent top and bottom line numbers. Even better, management raised their full-year forecast substantially. No wonder the stock shot to a new all-time high today. Now, I recommended this one over the summer. That was nearly 20 points ago when everyone else was running for the hills. But if the great reopening continues on a beta, then this move's just getting started. So let's take a closer look with Chris Rondo, the CEO of Planet Fitness, find out more about the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Rondo, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me on, Jim. Great day. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you because you never once lost faith. A lot of people did, but you didn't. And now I find that your gyms with people having, averaging between 30 and 4 pounds gained, and more important, mental health, a real issue. Your gyms are going to get help people back into into what we were uh, maybe in normal life. So, yeah, so true, Jim. And we, we saw the highest uh, third quarter net member growth in company history. And, you know, myself, my franchisees, and my team, we could not be more pleased with the momentum the company has. You know, people choosing bricks and more. They're coming back faster than we've ever seen. They're rejoining our clubs faster than we've ever seen. The Gen Zs are joining faster than we've ever seen. Uh, it's just, you know, all the winds are blowing in the right direction and the sales are wide open. One of the things that you did that I'm so proud of, you say uh, mental health day in October was a big day. And it's a big day because of a national study, big day because people have to stop thinking, wow, you, uh, I can't talk about it. I can't deal with it. Uh, you are helping people deal with it. And your studies show that the, one of the ways to deal with it is to work out. You know, absolutely. I mean, that's one thing I think, especially the general population and first time gym goers and 40 percent of our members have never belonged to a gym in their entire life that, you know, when you think fitness, the first thing that comes to mind is your waistline. Right. And that's really the byproduct of exercise. Right. right. The immediate initial impact of just working out, stress relief, relief, anxiety, sleep better. I mean, that's the that's the impact you feel every day you work out and the byproduct of losing weight or getting healthier. That comes in time, you know, and I think that's the thing that people have to realize. It's more than just about your waistline working out. Well, I'm so glad you're saying that because that's what 
I mean, to me, the secret of, of your success is it's judgment free. So therefore, people who otherwise might feel intimidated. Another company came public that you and I both like recently is a high end gym, but it is intimidating. It is an intimidating place to go, Chris. And I know that because my family belongs. And I think that your place you go and people don't look at you if you're trying to, you know, just getting started in the process. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. 80% of the population doesn't have a gym membership, right? And you think about even pre-pandemic, 70% of adults were overweight or obese. And as you just mentioned earlier, almost 40% of adults gained an average of 29 pounds on top of the fact where we were before COVID. So, you know, walking to a gym and you're out of shape, you don't feel good about yourself. You know, it's not about wearing the $200 workout outfit. In the judgment-free zone, you come as you are, affordability, 10 bucks a month. We open the doors everywhere. 25% of our clubs are in markets that the government classifies as low income, give them access. COVID hurt those neighborhoods, unfortunately, worse than anywhere else. Um, we really feel a need, and we're really more in healthcare than we are anything else. Yeah, you are the healthcare of the future. This is how you beat a pandemic, is you stay strong, you get healthy, you get thinner, actually. 140 million people within 10 miles? Why not get as many of those as you can, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 15 million members we have today is, is unbelievable, right? And our height was 15.5. We're 97% of all of our recapture back to where we were pre-COVID. But you're right. I look at the 140 million members, 140 million non-gym members within 10 miles of our current planet. What's hesitate, What's get, making them hesitate to get off the couch? That's when we need to get healthier and get off the couch. So more messaging, more messaging around uh, mental health. Um, you know, stress our price point in the judgment-free zone and, and make it accessible. And, and as we open more stores, our unit potential is 4,000 in the States. And that was pre-pandemic. And 22% of the industry is permanently closed through the pandemic, which is that 4,000, I believe, is, is the floor, not the ceiling any longer. Well, I've got to tell you that uh, my late mom always said comparisons are odious. But there's a company tonight that reported Peloton. And I always said, enjoy it while it lasts. But in the end, people like being with people. Uh, people don't oh, want to be at home. Right. I mean, I mean, I yeah, I never wavered. Jim. I mean, my team's a franchisees. We knew once we got on the other side of this, people are going to gravitate back. They want to go out to eat. They want to go outside in public. They want to go to amusement parks. You know, let's face it. I love a great gym in my basement. I still go to my local planet because being around other people, more variety of equipment. It's just a better experience. And it's like a kitchen's never going to replace a, a, a restaurant. <laughs> That's the thing it is. Right. Now, one, one last thing. When I look at what you're up to, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, it looks like that the franchisees came through this thing better than expected. You and I at the bottom, people were concerned that people were going to default. That didn't. All the franchisees came through this. Yeah, I mean, it's been amazing. I, you know, I can't I can't overemphasize that the relationship I have with my franchisees and my team have with them over over decades now that, you know, it's really paid off in times like this. Dr. B, you never want to go through it. But times like this, we came together even stronger. We came out even stronger. We all weathered the storm together. And, and here we are. We'd have one closure because of COVID. We opened, we closed with over 2,000 stores. We still have over 2,000 stores. And, and we're just stronger now on the other side. It's a silver lining. But we're, a little, we're definitely stronger now on the other side of this. And our moat is even that much wider. Well, well, congratulations. A lot of people doubted you. And a lot of people, by the way, just so we know, didn't believe that Planet Fitness's model would survive this. It was the opposite. The other guys didn't survive, and you did. And now you're thriving. Chris Rondo, CEO of Planet Fitness, always one of the greats. Thank you for coming back when we have money. Thank you so much, Jim. Appreciate it. Okay, stay with Kramer. Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The Lightning Round is next. 
And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? I'm the right drum coach. I'm sorry, Chris Kinecki. Chris. Thank you for all you do, Jim Kramer. You're welcome. Technology, H-I-M-S. So-so integrated circus company. You want to step up to the big plate and buy Marvell Technologies with a nice breakout today. How about Sheila in South Carolina? Sheila. Hey, Jim. Thank you for all you do for the small investor. Uh, You're very kind. Thank you. you. Been following you for years. My question is on Matterport. Yeah. When I think of Matterport, I think this is a small Adobe. And I say bye. Bye, bye, bye. Adobe. Let Chanthony and Orion do it for you. Matteo in New York, Matteo. Thank you for taking my call, Jim. And thank you for all your work with the Investors Club. Just great material and very timely. Uh, My question is on South Korean e-commerce platform, Coupang, because CPNG. I keep being drawn to this one. I keep thinking it's the right way to go. Uh, but I've got to tell you, it is it was the largest deal, by the way. I actually prefer C Limited, S-E. I think that's the one you want to be in, C Limited. And I very rarely recommend that, you know, this is a Singapore company instead of a South Korea company. I really like it. Adam in Missouri. Adam. Booyah, Jim. Hey, Booyah. honor to speak to you, sir. Uh, I got 10 shares of this company when I was 18. I turned 18. It gifted to me. Now I'm 30. What do I do with my shares of Bank of America? You hold your shares of Bank of America and go to 45, you buy more. This is a company that's most levered to higher rates in the country. It's very well run, doing a lot of good things. Let's go to Mike in Wyoming. Mike. Hey, Jim. My stock is TCS, the container store. Okay, is this stock that, a buy? That, it had a blowout. This is quarter. a tough one. It's a tough one because I've been watching of late, and it just spiked three. It just had a 30% move, and that means that we'd be chasing if I recommend it right here. So I don't want to do that. I want to pull back a little bit. Anthony in Florida. Anthony. Booyah, Jim. First Booyah. First time caller, long time listener. Excellent. I'd love, I'd love to know what you think about Coastal Adventures taking the Nextdoor app public on the NYSC next Monday. Well, you know I like that one, and I very rarely like the SPACs, but this one is... Got one of my absolute faves. You know, we're going to be talking to this is Sarah Fryer's company uh, because it's next door. And I happen to like the product and I think she's just a super CEO. So we'll do more work on it next week. I need to go to Mike in Arkansas. Mike. Hey, how about a big Arkansas Razorback? Big we don't get enough of those on the show. I'm glad you brought it out. What's up? Uh, thanks for uh, all you do for home gamers. I'm a long time, first time. My stock is a REIT that specializes in the ground lease sector. Insiders of this $2 billion market cap own 62% of a safe hold, a $4 billion market cap company. Uh, they reported their quarter two days ago. It was a good quarter. I think there may be value here. What are your thoughts on iStar? Always liked iStar. I've dealt with them in a business fashion. I think they're very, very good. I think it's an inexpensive one, and I like it. I think that's a very good call. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, you don't need to go to a galaxy far, far away to hear Kramer's take on the not-too-distant future. Will everything be better in the meta? Find out next. Starting to get some pushback on this concept of the metaverse. But if you dismiss this theme out of hand simply because it doesn't appeal to you 
or it's associated with Mark Zuckerberg, who you may or may not care for, I think you're making a mistake. It may be a big one. Since last week's name change announcement, the metaverse has become some sort of punchline to Facebook's arrogance. It's seen as something that's doomed to fail or maybe a desperate effort to divert attention from Facebook's recent string of scandals following free speech ethics management's apparent willingness to reward shareholders at any legal cost. I can't accept that story. All right, maybe Zuckerberg rolled out the metaverse a little earlier than he planned in order to change the narrative. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But this thing was always coming. I've heard all the criticism. Some people think the metaverse is impractical, pie in the sky. Others say there's no organic demand. After all, virtual reality's never really taken off. But I'm a believer, okay? I'm a believer. And I got to tell you, it's not going to be just this, all right? It's bigger than this. I'm going to tell you why I'm a believer. Despite Zuckerberg's fantastic video keynote that I urge you to watch about the metaverse itself, this is decidedly not at all about Facebook, or at least not Facebook alone. What brings me to the table are all the other smart, rigorous executives who keep promoting the same concept to me, although many of them shy away from the metaverse nomenclature because they all have their preferred branding. Take today. NVIDIA caught still one more boost from a brokerage firm, setting the stock up $32 or 12%. And what's the highlight? They think NVIDIA's Omniverse, that's right, the Omniverse, different from the Metaverse, is a $10 billion opportunity. You can't build this virtual or augmented reality mosaic without NVIDIA's graphics cards. That's why Wells Fargo raised its price target from 245 to 320 Others will have to follow as this stock has now outrun most price targets. Even if you don't take Mark Zuckerberg seriously, NVIDIA's Jensen Wong is arguably the best tech CEO in America, perhaps the world. There's a reason I'm always calling him a modern-day Leonardo da Vinci. He and his team have created opportunity after opportunity with their incredibly complex chips. And you know what? Jensen's been talking about this notion of alternative reality for ages. Now it's coming true faster than most people realize. The omniverse. It'll take a lot of money to build. But it's going to happen. At the same time, Cristiano Amon, the no-nonsense CEO of Qualcomm, had some positive things to say about the metaverse and Qualcomm's role in the bell just this morning on Squawk on the Street. Take a look. The way to think about the metaverse is there are multiple bets. There are multiple uh, versions of how uh, people believe the metaverse is going to win. You have a view for the consumer. You have a view for the enterprise. There's one thing in common. We're going to be the company enabling the devices like we're doing today for the HoloLens and the Facebook Oculus. And it's not just tech. Two days ago, I talked to Ralph Lauren Management. They've started selling clothes in the metaverse. You can scan a picture of yourself and digitally try stuff on before you buy it. Stuff's flying out the meta doors. How about gaming? Last night, Take-Two Interactive reported an excellent quarter, sending its stock up 4.75%. And they're getting in on the action, too, although you could argue they've already been in it. These guys are cooperating with Facebook, as in the video that Facebook showed, to develop a virtual reality version of Grand Theft Auto. Maybe that will be the killer app for VR. People are worried about what will happen when Disney reports next week. One look at the chart tells you about the worry. The theme parks are still living in a world of COVID pain, where one case in Shanghai strands 33,000 people in the park. It's agonizing. But what if Disney goes all in on the metaverse? Sure, when you get to the parks, you're able to pal around with silent Disney characters. But how about riding on Dumbo? How about being the eighth dwarf? How about playing a game covered by ESPN? That's the future. COVID is the past. 
Again, I'm not condoning the bad behavior we have heard about Facebook. They must work even harder to stamp out racism, genocidal provocations, misinformation, and the like. I can't get away with that stuff on TV, not that I would want to. Uh, But I think the same rules should apply to Facebook, too. They're in the media. I'm simply saying that if you think the metaverse will only be inhabited by Facebook trolls, you're wrong. Of course, they're going to have some moderation problems, but that's no different from the regular Internet. Even if you're a hardened cynic who can't see the appeal of the metaverse on the consumer side, don't forget about the enterprise. We now live in a world where remote work has become the norm, but managers still want to be able to supervise their employees. That's a huge opportunity. If they can't supervise you in reality, well, maybe they can do it in virtual reality. So don't dismiss this idea simply because you think Mark Zuckerberg is not necessarily the world's most likable guy. He can be a bit of an acquired taste, but they, they say that about me. The metaverse doesn't belong to him even if he manages to trademark the word meta. No, metaverse is the creation of many brilliant minds, and I want to bet with them, not against them. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.